Welcome back to the table, you animals. I'm Joe Newbauer at Joe Knows MMA. This is Sean Newbauer at the MMA underscore Insomniac, and this is Better Fight Cast. Well, Sean Newbauer, a lot to talk about this week as we sit down at the table and go over everything and anything mixed martial arts. What's the first thing we want to talk about? Depression. Why depression? I just, I just feel like with all the news and all the everything, it just it just seems like it's it seems like it's the, a depressed time to be an MMA fan. It's very negative. It's very. Oh, this is good. I didn't expect this, but um, so whose fault is that? It's it seems like the the state of the sport, like it's it's like everybody like any podcast any media it's like the sky is falling, but yet the sport is making more money than it ever has. It's just bizarre to me. But that's just that's just you, you asked me for my current feeling, and that's just that's just what popped in my head. Mm -hmm. That's how I feel right now. The negativity outweighs the positivity. Yes, because I feel like. The sport of MMA, there's not a lot of big fights happening right now. It's kind of a transition period. You know, they, they throw on two, UFC 225, UFC mm -hmm. 226. I think there's a great card this weekend. Um, but I feel like, you know, they're gearing up for near the end of the year. And I just feel like right now, everybody, it's just easy for everybody just to be negative. And, but I still think there's a lot of great things going on in this sport right now. I and, agree. I think there's great things going on all across the board for pretty much every promotion. And unless like, you're in Russia. I'd also like to hope that uh, the difference between us air podcast in between most because i don't want to delve into the negativity too much mm. we're not always going to be positive but i don't want to delve into it too much let's talk about you know the fights the fights the, the bright spots in this. let's just start right there let's talk about the fights last weekend the ufc flew across the globe and they were in hamburg germany and what was your thoughts of the card okay don't want to come off to it, but it was it was a long card. You know, I thought I thought there was a few good fights. I thought there was a few good performances, but it was one of those cards. It was on a Sunday afternoon. Although I like the afternoon cards from time to time, especially the international events. Mm -hmm. I love it when they have international events and they play during the day. But you know, there was a lot of decisions. There was a lot of um, not say there wasn't a couple bright spots. I thought the fight pass portion of the fights were probably the best of the night, and. Uh, you know, then you got to the FS1. I thought, yeah, there wasn't. I can't remember anything that really yeah, happened. Yeah, you need to go. If you're portion. having trouble to sleep at night, you can go ahead and start those fights. Yeah, and I, thought, like I thought the main card was 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 pretty good. It wasn't the strongest card, but I mean, when they go to somewhere like Germany, they don't ever put on the big ones. You know, like we're gonna get this weekend. Mm -hmm. It was just one of those cards. You know, they had some nice young up and coming talent on it, and you know, there's just a couple of performances to to take away. I I viewed the card is fair is the best way i can put it i mean everybody complains that the ufc has so many shows i mean this was one it was for germany they're trying to get that market out there the only way you're going to grow a market is by bringing shows to their market uh, i thought it was a okay night of fights yes there was a lot of decisions but that's part of the sport sometimes not very often do we sit here on this podcast and go that the event was just meh Especially on a UFC often. card. Yeah, it doesn't uh, They're often. pretty consistent as far as entertainment yeah. and, and, and what they put on there. And, and, hey, if you're saying that there's too many fights, these fighters need places to fight. They still found, what, like 24 fighters for this card that yeah. needed to keep this thing going? Mm -hmm. um, 
yeah, not the greatest night of fights, but I think we're going to change all that this weekend. But I did want to break into first because each week it seems to be progressively getting worse on the negativity in the comments I see about the duration. And I'm not going to sit here and talk about the pay-per-views, the Fight Pass 1 event, Fight Pass events or anything like that. I'm just going to stick to the FS1, which is a dying commodity also. They're only on FS1 until January 1st. Yep. Once the new year starts, once it hits 2019, there is no more FS1. Okay? But you have to bring up the fact that this event was about seven hours long to watch live. Wasn't it one of the top five longest events ever? I believe so. Yeah. And I don't think that's to do with, even though there was a lot of decisions, but I think it's, it's just the pacing of these things, man. Three hours, only six fights. Like, it's just... It's too much. It's weird because we want more. Well, the more... thing is, it goes over to three hours yeah. every time. I don't understand how that happens. Every time it goes over to three hours. That's what I understand about the main card. You get to the main card, it's a half hour block for each fight. They're all 15 minute fights except for the main event. Mm-hmm. And this one was supposed to be a five round fight. Yeah. And when I was watching, see, I am smart. I am a fan. And this is what I suggest to any fan. Okay, if you are somebody that's getting paid to cover this sport, or you're an aspiring journalist and you want to tweet out live or do whatever, you know, you watch it live to, to, to make sure you're having the reaction with the other people, then that's on you. But as a fan, you know what I did Sunday? I recorded it. I have this thing called DVR. I feel like most people have that nowadays, right? Like, that's a big thing over here in America. If you fall in the 18 to 49 or the 18 to 34 demographic, more than likely you do. Well, I mean, you can only watch this on TV. Yeah. It's FS1. If you have a cable package and you have FS1 on your cable package, more than likely you're going to have this thing called DVR. I'm not breaking news here, ladies and gentlemen. I'm just telling you the facts. I recorded it. I just stay off social media and results. And I came home that night, kept my Sunday busy, did what I had to do, and I cracked open a cold one when I got home and enjoyed it. And I watched it in probably about four hours. Which isn't bad. Um, You know, you you have this thing called fast forward. This whole issue with the longevity of these events, this is just a FS1 issue. This is not UFC's fault. The UFC is not the one that's making these events so drawn out and long. FS1 is the one airing this program. That's them. Because they need content. And I believe when they go to ESPN, this is going to change. Yeah, I don't see how ESPN would be like, yeah, you're going to get four hours you know, mm-hmm. I don't see ESPN doing that. They have too much programming. I see when they get to ESPN, the fight night's getting shorter. My favorite TV events are Fox, Big Fox, because it's within two hours. That usually goes over, but it's within two hours, and it's four fights. That's my favorite television because it's it's and it comes on even at a better time. I know this past one was a daytime event, but I love the fact that the Fox cards start at eight and they're I think four some, hours long. Yeah, even think, with the prelims, because the prelims come on Fox too. Yeah, yeah, they started doing that recently, yeah. and they they, they got to be over by eight. Well, they usually the prelims are always over by the time they need to. They're not the problem. It's always the main card. It's always that FS1 main card. It just drags, and it's very hard to watch. But I think, um, but Fox has always been my favorite. And I'm hoping they have the same model for ESPN when they're going to be playing on ESPN or whatnot. I hope they follow the same model. It's like two hours, four fights, wham bam, you're done. I hope the start time is the same. Well, most of it's going to be digital. Let's not forget about 20 that. Events, but I'm talking about TV. I'm not talking about digital. There's no doubt in my mind. Digital, I don't see how they do this 
on digital when there's no commercials. How can you? It's impossible. It'll be much quicker, yeah. So I, that's why I'm also optimistic. Like, as, as much as I want to bag on this, but there is optimism. A whole at the event end here. on Fight Pass, I was looking at it, is usually two hours shorter than what it is on FS1. And that's yeah. a big difference. Yeah. And to make these events shorter, it, it's not about, you don't, as an MMA fan, we watch every fight from top to bottom on the UFC because we care about every fight. For the most part, they have good fights. Like I said, there is no other promotion out there right now, still, that is putting on fights from the first fight to the last fight with the quality of of a fighter that the UFC is. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're all good fighters, winning records, and there's no slouches. Um, there's barely, there's only a handful of guys you can call out that you don't think is UFC level. But other than that, that the quality of fighter that the UFC has is still unparalleled to any other promotion. Uh, you don't do that for Bellator. You don't watch every, you don't watch the undercard for Bellator. I know I don't. I just watch the main card. No. And half the time, half the main card's not even worth it. So I mean, it's it's something that we hope gets fixed. But I mean, guys, if you're a fan and you have DVR, why are you even watching it live? Stop complaining so much about it. Like, there's a way around it. It's I mean, almost over. At the same time, I can I can deal with the complaint because I get it. I watched couple weeks ago the tough finale live and it was brutal Mm -hmm. it is tough to sit there and if the fights aren't delivering it makes it even more brutal so i'm but the the reason my optimism if i knew they were going if they go to espn they do the same thing there's going to be problems because that that to me that's why they're not getting the tv ratings if i tune in at the start of the show i don't think i'm making it to the end I don't care how exciting the fights are. Mm-hmm. It's just too spread out, too long. I mean, it's a fact. People's attention spans are shorter mm-hmm. nowadays. I just think that the digital future and, you know, and hopefully it's the two-hour window mm-hmm. like they do on big Pay-per-views are, are, are spread out just perfect. Yeah. So, fine. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's going to get fixed. I am very confident it's going to get fixed. This is a FS1 problem, not the UFC. FS1 is not listening to the fans, in my opinion. I don't think this is the UFC, so I'm, I'm going to stay away from that. Yep. Now, let's talk about the fights. I'll tell you something that wasn't long. In the main event, Pride and UFC living legend Mauricio Shogun Roa went out there and tried to get into a fist fight with Anthony Smith, and it did not end very well for Mauricio Shogun Roa. What was your thoughts of the main event, and what do you think about this Anthony Smith guy? Dude, I am super high on Anthony Smith right now. I like the fact, first of all, he took this fight on short notice and came in there and blitzed a living legend like Shogun. Shogun is not exactly, he doesn't look like the old, the former Shogun that we know, but we don't expect him to since he's been fighting in the sport since 19 years old. But Shogun still was on a three-fight win streak. This guy went out there, finished the second legend in under a minute. Anthony Smith is the real deal. Some people are still having questions. That's fine. I'm not questioning anything. I think this guy's the real deal. He reminds me of Rumble Johnson. Rumble Johnson came to light heavyweight and did the same exact thing. And he was coming up from welterweight. This is his weight class. This is him. I think he's a potential star for the UFC. His fighting style, his look, everything. He's the total package, man. And I think, um, you know, I think it's time to get him rolling. Like, he, he just won his first main event. Let's get him another. I wouldn't be upset if he fought for the title. Okay. We're going to disagree right here. 
That's fine. Pump your brakes. I love Anthony Smith. Actually, I've been a fan of Anthony Smith practically his whole career. I loved his recent UFC run, even at middleweight. I was really high on the guy. Still am. But as far as this light heavyweight situation, the one thing I do love about Anthony Smith is he's becoming one of my favorite fighters because he's doing what I always say fighters should be doing. He's fighting. And he's taking opportunities, opportunities and he's taking risks, and he's taking them on short notice. He got the Rashad Evans fight when he moved up to light heavyweight. Smoked Rashad Evans. Took this fight on short notice against Mauricio Shogun Rilla. Smoked Mauricio Shogun Rilla in under a minute. Also called out Alexander Gustafson and really wanted that fight in less than two weeks against Alexander Gustafson in California. But here's what I'm going to say about pumping the brakes. He's not getting the Alexander Gustafson fight, okay, now that that's official. But to say he's already entitled to a title shot... I'm not there yet. I'm not there yet. And I love this guy. And why I'm not there yet is because he's different than when Rumble Johnson came to light heavyweight. Rumble Johnson fought Phil Davis, a guy that's still in his prime and still a great fighter over there in Bellator. He's still a top light heavyweight But in the you're world. talking about a different Hold year on. for UFC light Let heavyweight. Let me finish real quick. Let me finish real quick. The problem with Anthony Smith, the reason I'm not sold yet, is this is not like 2009. I mean, he beat the Ultimate Fighter Season 2 winner, Rashad Evans. He beat... The light heavyweight Grand Prix winner, former light heavyweight champion, Mauricio Shogun Rilla. But these two guys are at retirement. They're just not there right now. There's nothing there telling me that he can beat the Corey Andersons, who won in the co-main event. There's nothing there yet that's telling me he can beat Alir Latifi. Do I love Anthony Smith? Yes, but to say he just jumps up in a title shot situation, I think we're going a little too fast here. Now, I love him because of his mentality. He's willing to fight anybody, anywhere. But to say he's ready for a title shot, I'm not sold yet. Here's my problem with that. First of all, you talk about because these guys are older. Look at the light heavyweight division right now. Who's young? Who's young? Um, Who's not in their mid to late 30s? John Jones. The, the, uh, <laughs> I'm just messing. I'm just messing. No. It, there's, there's fighters there. Alexander Rakic. Rocket. Dude, let's not you talk about name. somebody that hasn't even fought somebody ranked yet. Okay, this guy's years away. This guy, I, I get it. He showed some potential, but he did not beat the people that Anthony Smith has already jumped in there and beat. Tell me somebody in the top ten that is mid, not mid to late thirties. Um, Dominic Reyes. That's the only one, and he he's coming off a loss. Alir Latifi is he late thirties? I mean, I don't know these guys' ages. I'm just saying where no, they're Dominic at in their Reyes careers right now. I mean, All let's I'm be real is, here. What I like about this kid. He came in, he stepped up on short notice, he fought this. He offered his services to fight another. I said I love short. that too. Here, here, here's my problem with light heavyweight right now. Corey Anderson, literally just an hour ago, called out DC. Every This is the difference between Anthony Smith and between all these other fighters. Everybody's calling out DC, Alir Latifi, Corey Anderson. Everybody that you know is coming off a win or whatnot is calling out DC right now. There's one guy that didn't, Anthony Smith. And you want to know why? Because he gets it. I'll put it to you this way. UFC is the best sports entertainment company in the world right now. He's he's creating himself. Not only does he have the, the highlight package at light heavyweight now, the, the, the great performances, the, 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 the fact that he's a warrior, he'll step up short notice. He's calling for a dialogue right now that makes more sense than any other light heavyweight right now. He already said, he's like, I'm not worried about DC. I'll fight for the vacant title. Because let's face facts here. DC's not fighting at 205 again. 
First of all, he's got a broken hand. Second of all, he's got a date with Brock Lesnar in January, and he's the heavyweight champ. Well, to be fair to the other guys, now I get where you're going here, because you're like me. You kind of see narratives before they happen. Yeah. Okay? To be fair here, DC's the one that said he's coming back to 205. He said that. That, that, that said. He's still saying it. He's still claiming it. He even responded back to Corey Anderson and said, if there's a date and there's a venue, I'll show up. I always show up. He's he almost talked. Yes, he just responded back to him on that. I saw that. Now, everybody, he's the champ. You can't knock anybody for calling out DC with that glimmer of hope that he's going to come back to 205 because that's what he is saying. And at the end of the day, I respect anybody that calls out the champ. It's what you're supposed to do. That should always be your number one fight, period. It is what it is. I get where you're going. I'm just not sold on Anthony Smith fighting for the title yet. I just think his his uh, road in light heavyweight so far, remember, three fights ago he fought Tiago Santos. That's a different weight class. And he got beat. I get it's a different weight class, but he still lost quickly. My problem is, but I'm before not this fight, but before so this fight, a lot of people were like, oh, well, Shogun might get the title shot if he wins. This guy just destroyed the guy that was on the biggest win streak at light heavyweight. But let's be real here. Come on, man. Did he Shogun Rua's win streak was not that impressive. Here's why I like Anthony Smith, and you're right. I am thinking of the and I'm the here. by the way I'm not knocking Shogun. I'm the biggest, one of the biggest Shogun Rua fans ever. But let's be real. Here's what I like about Anthony Smith. With him doing this, he's creating a narrative. So we're we're, we're like six weeks away from UFC 228. They don't have a main event. Anthony Smith pretty much just set the narrative. He is not $65 right now. He's not a main event for a Neither is the women's flyweight title. I said that before. I mean, I think they have too many pay-per-views. But to say Anthony Smith is a 60... I mean, we're going to get into this topic later, by the way. I got a big discussion about this, about the value of $65 for a night of fights. I have a huge opinion on this, and we'll get to that. Okay, but let me finish. Anthony Smith is already setting the narrative. All he needs is another guy that's right there with him. Alexander Gustafsson had the chance, but then he looked quite that that was you know that was kind of cringeworthy for me. And I'm a I'm a Gustafsson fan, but he pulled out as soon as he called him out. That's a fact. We'll see where we're going with that. Let's 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 just. But wait. what what if it ended up being like Gustafsson versus Anthony Smith at UFC 228 as the main event? Could be. Again, I don't see that as for a, the interim light heavyweight with, with, with the flatten up. That that doesn't see, look like a sixty-five dollar card to DC me. DC is not defending that title. He's already got a broken hand. We're already seeing these fight cards getting lined up for later this year. Where does DC even fit the bill? Why would you put DC on a November card when he's got a date with Brock Lesnar in January? Look, my opinion is Anthony Smith. I love him for that call out. Really respect him. I love the, the hustle. The fact that he was there. Those are my favorite type of fighters. But to say he jumps, Alexander Gustafsson is the undisputed number one contender at light heavyweight. To say that Anthony Smith goes above all those other guys who he has not fought yet. What do you mean? Everybody in the top ten is above him. Corey Anderson, a little bit of TV. And the fight that I think he should get, the fight I love for um, Anthony Smith next, Jimmy Manua. Look, I don't think he constitutes the jump to the line from the, the level of you know opponent that he's been thrown in there against. See, I'm not so sold on Corey He Anderson. beat Rashad Evans on what? What was Rashad on, a three or four fight losing streak? Yes. Come on, man. 
But can't Corey Anderson's on the same win streak as Anthony Smith right now. I'm not calling for uh, dude. Trust me, light heavyweight's a little messy. But to say Gustafsson's ducking Anthony Smith, I disagree. Gustafsson's in a position at the tail end of his career to fight for a title. Honestly, if if Cormier comes back to light heavyweight, it should be against Alexander Gustafsson. Period. Right now, the state of that division, that is the fight. It's it. But unfortunately, this is the point I'm trying to make. That fight's not going to happen. And it shouldn't, but I'm just... that's You got to right. move on. That We got to agree. Fights. We got to move on. We got to agree to... We're going to get into an argument all day about this. But that light heavyweight division, we can agree that it's a mess. I don't see it getting mopped up anytime soon. But if Daniel Cormier was coming down to 205, if this is legit, he's actually going to come back to 205 one more time, I'm sorry. The fight is Alexander Gustafsson or nothing. And Gustafsson shouldn't take any other fight unless it's Cormier or officially for a title. I don't blame him. I don't blame him. To me, it's like, what have you done for me lately? And Gustafsson has not been We're active. talking about the same thing. Let's move on. So let's talk about the couple few bright spots on that card. All right, there, there, there wasn't a lot to go home with, but I am going to start with the light heavyweight division. I thought Alexander, how do you say his last name? Rakic? Rakic? I don't know. I don't know. He looked impressive. It wasn't the most entertaining of a fight, but to do that against Justin Ledette, which, by the way, Justin Ledette, I respect you're a vegan, but you're too small now. That guy might even need to go to middleweight, or he needs to start eating cheeseburgers again. But he was just so, he just looked like a completely different person. And then you have what I thought was the most impressive performance was Manny Bermudez. I mean, that ground game. That ground game was so above anything else I've seen in a while on the ground. What was? What did you make of his performance? He's good. He's young. He's good. I'm, I'm really impressed with that guy. And then I really love the skinny Kelvin Gaslam. Nazrod yeah. Hakparast, however you say that last that name. Was, to me, that was my favorite fight on the card. That last name is tough, by the way. I think that's why everybody's just calling him Kelvin Gaslam's doppelganger, right? I think so, too. That's a tough name. He needs a good nickname. <laughs> So, I thought he put on him and Mark Diakisi threw it down. I think Mark Diakisi lately has underratedly been fighting some of the best lightweights, like the, like the true up, up-and-comers. up But Diakisi's only 25 as well. Yeah, he's young. He's so, young. he's not. He's just not on a good run right road. now. He's been a tough road. He's been putting up good fights against these guys. But Hakparas really came out of left field out of nowhere and really put on a great performance. I liked everything I saw. I liked Diakisi too, but Hakparas, I did think he won that fight. And those really are the bright spots of this card. Other than the opportunity that like Anthony Smith took by jumping in on a late minute fight to take on Shogun Roa. Uh, other than the opportunity Corey Anderson just took by coming in on short notice and fighting number three, Glover Teixeira. Anthony Smith went from unranked to ranked and Corey Anderson, in my opinion, jumps all the way up to number three now in that light heavyweight division. You know, this card proved one thing to other fighters. So. Hey, okay, I don't care about the rankings. He beat the number three guy. Can, can we get with that? Well, I don't care about that number. All I'm saying is this guy came in as number nine or seven and took a short-notice fight against the number three guy and won convincingly, okay? Whether he's ranked three or four, I don't care about those numbers. But this is just to show other fighters out there, everybody, this is a sport of opportunity, and this weekend proved that. If you don't jump on these shots that are given out or the opportunity that's given, 
That's how you lose out in a sport. That's the only way you gain is by jumping on short notice fights like this. That's why you should always be ready. Anything else you want to say about UFC Hamburg? That's it. I, the, there's only like two or three people that stick out to me in the whole card. It was Smith. I thought Anderson looked good. He's definitely getting better. He's only 28. I think Smith's only 29. I think that's why I was so optimistic about light heavyweight after that night. And um, I thought that Kelvin Gasson looked alike and Manny Bermudez. Yeah, they were the, they were definitely the highlights of the card. All right. Well, let's move on. Both of us, we, we were looking at each other in, in, in a certain type of way. I don't know, Sean. Dude. We ain't really getting along today, are we? It's a depressing. It's it's depressing times. You're giving me some type of feeling. I mean, it's good. I mean, this is conflict. I do think everybody has different views on how to handle these situations. But let's talk about something that's been handling for a long time, and the negative rep it's been getting lately. And I've, we've been meaning to bring this topic up for a couple weeks now. Let's let's jump over a little bit into USADA. Okay, now reading media narratives. A lot of them, even some of the top media people, they, they kind of dog USADA. Kind of make it out to be this really not-so-good thing. I mean, lately we've had a lot of people uh, flagged for banned substances. They go in. It's almost like a court. <laughs> like they're going on trial. They fight it, and they win. And most of them, honestly, are Brazilian. We had JDS, Little Nog. What's his name? France, France, France Amar Barroso? Am I saying that wrong? Yeah, I don't know about that one. Yeah. Josh Barnett. All these guys. No, I'm just sticking with Brazilians. Oh, they all came out clean mm-hmm. under the same thing for using a faulty pharmacy. Okay? We have Josh Barnett, who got vindicated. Had to do a lot of work. Fought him for, like, what, two years? A year and a half? Yeah, but... That's, uh, I don't Because of a band... Su- any, yeah. Regardless, he, he was vindicated. Yeah. At the end of the day. And then most recently, of course, just this week we found out Anderson Silva was proved to have a contaminated substance. Mm-hmm. And he's now coming up on his suspension of USADA. He's getting off earlier. What is your take on this? What is your take on these guys being flagged and they're proven right at the end of the day um, in these handful of instances? And what's your thoughts of USADA and the UFC relationship today? Do you think it's good or bad for the sport? I think... Um it's unfortunate when it does happen like that, the contaminated supplements. But at the same time, from what I gather from hearing about it, you're when you go through like a third part when it's not third party tested or something, they have rules that they have to apply by. Mm-hmm. So when they're getting popped, and yes, they're getting proven innocent, but they're also going against what they're supposed to be doing. So my problem with it is, it does suck when it happens to a fighter and they get vindicated. I get it because I get the guilty before innocent. Mm-hmm. I get it. Like what JDS was saying, like I get it. You're you got a, you got that flag. Everybody's gonna look at you like you've done steroids. But I can't be too hard on Nasada here. They have to stay above, you know, above the cheaters. Above the curve, they got to the stay ahead of the curve. The cheaters are always finding new ways to cheat. This is a very sophisticated system, and it's like the people that are complaining, like, oh, Nasada's not the. What are they supposed to do? Mm-hmm. They have the best drug testing in sports. The most thorough drug testing, the best drug testers in sports, maybe besides Olympics. What do you what, what do you want? The same people that wanted all the drug testing, now everybody's complaining that there's too much drug testing or mm-hmm. they're taking it too far. You have to understand something. If USADA isn't doing what they're doing, people are going to find ways to stay ahead of the curve, man. Mm-hmm. They're going to find ways to beat this. They have to continuously stay on that. 
Now, I still think it's great for the sport. It's changed the sport. People are missing weight more. People's body images have changed in the UFC. I think that's all a direct link to because USADA came in and a lot more people got off of stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's a case-by-case. Case. Sometimes I feel I kind of feel bad for the fighter, but at the same time, like there is certain things you're supposed to do. I've even heard as far as say, because they do do random drug tests, that they shouldn't just pop up out of nowhere. I'm like, mm-hmm. but that's the point. Yeah. If everybody knew they were going to a drug test, they'd find a way to cheat it. Mm-hmm. So, I feel like USADA. It it makes me know that there's a a, a clean sport in the UFC. I, I always applauded them for the USADA. Um, maybe should have been something. I mean, that's for like union talks. Whether you know they didn't have a say, but whatever. I remember the TRT days and how negatively that was impacting mm-hmm. the sport. At the end of the day, USADA's doing their job. That that's how I feel. Why the negativity? Negativity. Is there some flaws? Yes, every system has. But they've some only flaws. been doing it for what two years, three years. It doesn't matter. It's been long enough. Okay, every system has flaws. Um, are they perfect? No, but they're accurate most of the time. And at the end of the day, this stuff is still in their system. If they're taking contaminated products, they should be vindicated. And it's still not Usada's fault for doing their job. Look, I disagree with how they come out with a flag substance when when. When, when somebody gets flagged for a potential anti-doping agency failure, it just automatically comes out, we get no information. I feel like that should change. Like, they should be given their time before this thing even hits the surface. That's what I agree with. Like, let it, uh, let it marinate a little bit. Let it more. marinate. Let's find out what it's even for. Yeah. Let's find out what's going on and then put that on. Because the problem is it's not USADA's fault for doing their job. They're doing their job. You took a contaminated substance, that substance is in your body and you're not supposed to have it. The argument of it being a dumb substance and not having your body or whatever, that's a different conversation. They have a banned substance list. They even have the stuff that you should be okay to take. They have it very thorough on their website. If you're a UFC fighter, you should probably be reading the stuff that they have. Um, And regardless, the suspension part of it, like you still have to, they still have to wait for you to get this stuff out of your body. Just in case, you know, you might have proved that it was a banned substance or it was a faulty uh, supplement that you got from GNC, but you still have to wait for the stuff to get out of your body before you compete again. Um, I just think they're getting a bad rap for no reason. I actually think they're very instrumental. I mean, Eddie Alvarez and Rafael Dos Anjos are two guys that really, like, they kind of carry the USADA flag. They love it, and that's because they're clean fighters. You know they don't they don't make the excuses they've obviously prided themselves on being a clean fighter and a lot of the top stars are clean fighters i don't think they're shisty at all this whole brock lesnar thing that they're saying is very i was about shisty. to bring up that narrative i don't i don't that's exactly by the rules he's got it to be tested for six months before he's eligible to come back like what is shisty about that they popped him the first time they got him the first time so what makes you think they're not going to get him the second time if he's doing and when something? they realized they did wrong the first time they changed the rule now you have to um, mm-hmm. Drug test for six months before you can come back. They're learning they already too. have it where he already took one test. That's a fact. So like, what, what's the negativity here? Mm-hmm. Now here's the only way I will all of a sudden be like, okay, something's not right here. Is it the possibility of John Jones not getting suspended two years? I agree with. I was listening to Colby Covington on Shell Son and Show, and I, I agree with him. Like, this is the second time that John Jones has popped for something. Like, even if they like. I mean, I guess if he was totally in the not wrong, but, like, it was really weird how he got pumped. I guess 
I understand that people are saying like, and I don't want to get all into the science and everything. It's just it'll just confuse myself and everybody. But um, it wasn't enough to like really have a. But like this is the second time, where there's smoke, there's fire. He should get at least two years, and that's how you believe in the USADA program. Because if he didn't, it's kind of weird to look at it. Well, like, that whole case is weird. Yeah, it's just weird. The timing of when it came in, like everything, it's weird. I'm still waiting to see what happens with John Jones. We'll see. I know you're saying he should get to two years, but as a fan, I hope he doesn't. <laughs> but but, the, but that's the thing. Like I know because you have to do what's right. That's I, I that's agree. what would make it look so bad because the UFC's got a business to run, and if he if was you set the, a standard, stick to it. Yeah, yeah. That's why it would look so bad if it, if he didn't. But let's take okay the, the most recent. Let's take Anderson Silva. He's obviously been cleared of any wrongdoing. They're saying he's going to be eligible again for November of this year. So he's going to fight before the year's out. And he's just looking forward to coming back, returning. He just wants to move his career on ASAP. What do you think USADA has done to Anderson Silva's rep so far? Do you think it's fair to not put him in the greatest of all time talks because of his USADA suspensions? One that he's actually justified for? Or do you think he should be demoted as the greatest of all time because of his USADA suspensions? What do you think? I personally think he should be because if this was his first one, like to me, like being a smarter fan than I am and not just reading headlines, JDS, I have no, I don't even think of him as a cheater anymore. Mm -hmm. Josh Barnett, eh, not so much. Um, but with Anderson Silva, he failed one before, and that was before Usada. He failed a drug test. Mm -hmm. This is the second time he failed. So it's hard for me to say. Like I get but it, but he was it, proven to have a contaminated substance this time. The first time he wasn't. He tried saying that it was dick pills or whatever it was, and that didn't turn out well for him. Mm -hmm. So the first time, no, he cheated. This time, we don't know. He got vindicated, but he's vindicated for this one. It still doesn't tarnish that. It still doesn't, you know, rectify the first one that mm -hmm. he failed for. So, so you're saying there is a little asterisk next to his legacy. Yes. I personally disagree. I, I don't think there's an asterisk just because of the time he went through. Um, everybody, it, I don't, I, I don't want to say he was taking the extra vitamins, but everybody seemed to be taking the extra vitamins during that time. I feel like it was like an ev even playing field. Um, I, and plus, he's been vindicated this time, and I really think the last time was because of that broken leg. But he took something. Yeah, he failed. End of the end of story. So uh, we'll see, but. Let's just move on for that. What do you? How do you feel about Anderson Silva making a return? And I want to ask you: When Anderson Silva returns later this year, what division and what fight? Oh, it's so easy. It is so easy. If he wanted to go to a five, I'm okay with it. But there is a narrative. There is a fight. It's set in place. Everybody wants to see it. You have to do him versus Israel Adesanya. Adesanya. Called him out respectfully because he looks up this guy, but you gotta do that fight. Two of the best stand-up middleweights you've ever seen, and the creativity that they throw them when they get in there, and their, their their creativity was striking. And you gotta do that, man. You got to. I mean, everybody would be excited for that fight. Tell me you wouldn't be excited for that fight. Meh. Okay. Say what? Here's where my head is at on this one. Okay. I like the fight. I think it's one I'm not really particularly looking forward to right now. You know I'm not the biggest of a fan, just like this past weekend. Look at me writing off Anthony Smith because of who he beat. I'm not saying he's not a good fighter. I just keep going back to who did he beat. I'm not a big fan of the aging veteran against the young Lions. I'm, I'm just not. Like this... 
this is like Andrew Adesanya is just hitting his prime. You know, like his he's faster, his flexibility is there, everything is there right now, being it he's like thirty years old. He's hitting his prime right now. Anderson Silva's forty three years old. I just feel like this is a bad, bad night for Anderson Silva. Um, I don't think the matchup's that bad. Actually, in my head right now, without doing research or tape film, anything like that, or film study, I see it kind of being like a Darren Till versus Steven Wonderboy, where their striking is so elite, I don't know if it's going to neutralize it, but I'm just not a big fan of the, the, the young lion against the old dog with Anderson being 43. Honestly, I'm more of a fan right now of seeing Anderson Silva going to 205. I think if anybody can jump the queue in that 205-pound division, it's Anderson Silva. And I know that kind of contradicts what I said earlier about the older guys. Yeah, it does. But it's Anderson freaking Silva. And if you want to bring legitimacy to that title with DC never wanting to be in that division again or John Jones not going to be there for a long time, if you want to legitimize that title, Alexander Gustafsson versus Anderson Silva for the vacant or interim light heavyweight title, there's something that rings to that, that, that that's just kind of special to that. Anderson Silva never went to light heavyweight before and contended for the title. I mean, I still think Anderson Silva would have been the first champ champ in history. But he never went to light heavyweight because of Lyoto Machida. Well, Lyoto Machida's gone. There's no other training partners of yours up there right now to get in that way. I just feel like there's a clearer shot for Anderson Silva at the 205-pound title than at the middleweight title. And I would like to see him make that move this late in his career. See, this is where I disagree wholeheartedly. He he needs a fight back, first of all, because it's not like... He did win his last fight, right? But it was a controversial split to get Mm -hmm. decision. Yeah, I thought Derek Brunson outstruck him 2-1. to Exactly. No, literally, actually, the numbers don't lie. Derek Brunson did outstrike Anderson Silva 2-1. to one. I want to see him versus Israel Adesanya. I don't care how the fight plays out. We'll talk about how the fight plays out after it happens. I want to see that fight made. That's the fight. I don't care about Anderson Silva versus Gustafsson. That doesn't do it for me. You know, like, I want to see Anderson Silva versus Israel Adesanya. I think Adesanya, and my point to the young Lions against the old of the guard, mm-hmm. if those old guys, older guys are in the top 10, guess what? How is that young guy supposed to climb up the ranks if he doesn't fight mm-hmm. the guys that are is ranked? Is Anderson Silva still in the top 10? No, he got taken out when okay. he got suspended. So this is something he'll gain it from his name. Yeah. This isn't really like... And to, to counteract that point that you made, you act like, uh, well, it, it is depressing when you see an older star get knocked out like that. I get it. But in order to make a name, you got to beat a name. Mm-hmm. No, so I agree. Israel, I, mean, I, get, I get where you're Adesanya going. Adesanya is going to get that popularity... It's going to be beaten and fighting somebody like um, Anderson Silva. I'm just looking. This is where I'm basing my decision. I'm just looking at both divisions and where they're at right now. Anderson Silva has a great opportunity at light heavyweight right now to possibly contend for the title. Because you look at middleweight, let's be real here. Anderson Silva is not getting back to that title at middleweight. He's not. No. That's the only thing you can use him for is for an Israel Adesanya to build momentum for that young now, man. I think off if of he was name. to win the Adesanya fight, I think he could get a title shot. But Too I'm looking business. at the at the middleweight picture and seeing where it's at, I'm just it's 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 definitely it's middleweight if this November th- card in Madison Square Garden 
if this really is panning out to be what it is with the, you know, you have David Branch versus Jacare, you have the Chris Wyman versus Luke Rockhold, and the newly and just announced UFC just announced Paulo Costa versus Yo Romero. I mean, those are three fantastic fights. And in the middleweight division, I just look at all those fights. I don't know how Anderson Silva matches up with any of these guys right now and where he's at in his career. See, I really want to see Israel Adesanya versus Anderson Silva. But here's my problem with that. Like, I thought the light heavyweight division, I was going to, like, start talking about this show, how I think the light heavyweight division, you know, is about to get refreshed. It's about to get fun. Because I thought Romero and Rockhold were going to jump up to 205. Mm-hmm. Well, we found out just in a very few short hours before we did this podcast, that's not happening anymore, which is kind of crazy when I think about it because they're fighting in a division where it's going to be hard, like, especially with, you know, Rockhold losing to Romero. Romero, we'll see if he even makes weight. Now, he's he's an older guy fighting a young lion. Yeah. So, to me, it's like, it just made sense. I was like, man, especially Rockhold. Rockhold could have fought Gustafsson. Because that's a money fight. They have some, some heat there. They would have booked that. But he's fighting Wyman in a... You know, I, I like the fact that it's on that card. That card is and, looking and very good. And a rematch good. we never asked for. It's a rematch I wasn't really clamoring it's for. It's like the UFC 227 card. Yeah. Okay. It, it's a rematch I wasn't really... All right, fair enough. So you want to see Anderson go back to middleweight, and I want to see him go to light heavyweight. Is that where we're at right here? Yeah, but the point I was trying to make, like I wouldn't mind him jumping up to 205 now. If he did, he'd be smart. Okay, so you like either. Either, but my favorite thing would be him versus Israel. Okay. But I wouldn't blame him for going to a fight, especially hearing of the recent news that Rockhold or Romero isn't jumping up. They're staying at 185. Now I'm like, okay, well, Anderson could be the smart one in this deal because I thought, especially Rockhold, if Anthony Smith is doing what he's doing, Rockhold's same size, man. He can go to 205 and have a lot of success, I think. I don't know what's true in all this news right here. Let's shift gears a little bit. Okay. There's sort of a welterweight circus going on right now. First of all, there's two titles in that division. You have an interim champ in Colby Covington, and then you have the champ in Tyron Woodley. Tyron Woodley hasn't fought now as of this month. It's been a year. It's been one year since we've seen that man in action, and he doesn't have any fights booked yet. Okay. Colby Covington, just in June, won the interim title from Rafael Dos Anjos. News started circulating this week. It all kind of started with Darren Till, where Darren Till just reached out to Tyron Woodley and was like, sign the contract to fight him. And I'm assuming for September. And then Darren Till came back with the remark that Colby is out, signed the contract, and he's trying to push Tyron Woodley into a title fight. Colby Covington said that was fake news. Tyron Woodley said he hasn't been offered to fight anybody yet. But yet the news circulating on the internet is that Colby Covington might be stripped of his interim title. And they're trying to make Tyron Woodley versus Darren Till. I don't even know how to explain this very well because it's such a mess. Where are you at on this whole situation? What's right? What's wrong? And what do you do with that welterweight title if you were Dana White? It's confusing. But the reason it's a circus is because it's like I said, guys aren't fighting like they should be. So you have Colby Covington, who just won an interim title. He just fought in June. 
You have Darren Till. I forget what month he fought in, but he just fought recently too. And then you have Tyron Woodley, who hasn't fought after this month in a year. So you just have one big mess, right? I don't, I don't agree with anybody in this whole situation. To me, you have to do Colby versus Tyron. The drama's there. The, the we want to see that fight the most. To me, it's hard for me to have Darren Till go fight for the title A because he missed weight. But I also realize Darren Till is championship caliber. He just beat Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. Mm-hmm. That guy could probably win the title, and he's going to be a problem for a while. He's young and he is good if he makes the weight. If he makes the weight. Then you got Tyron Woodley, who's still turning down fights. He's acting like he's a bigger star than what he is. To me, in my own. Mm-hmm. I think Tyron Woodley's acting like he's a bigger draw than what he really is. I do believe if he wants to, if he's really waiting for Colby, I can get down with that. Because I do think he, if he's, he's actually being smart there. Colby's going to make him more money. And he's an easier matchup. I think Darren Till is, could be possibly a terrible matchup for uh, Tyron Woodley. Kind of like Rory McDonald was. I think Darren Till with his length and his striking, I think he'd be a terrible matchup. If he makes 170. Yes. So, I just think it's a mess. I think they really need him. I think they still do, and they really want the main event for September. The one thing I do know about this, Tyron is healthy, and he can go. And I think the UFC was trying to use the fact that, like, because, like, you know, there's that unwritten rule or whatever that you don't defend your title within a year. You could get stripped, and it's getting to that point with him, like, you know, I know he, I believe he was hurt, but it's time for him to get back in there. I don't know, man. It's such a mess. I don't even know how to break it down because I don't know what's true, what's not true. I do think where there's smoke, there's fire. There was something they might have thrown a feeler out there to Darren Till. Like, would you take this fight? Tyron saying he was never offered a fight. Kobe's oddly enough been kind of quiet. So he just said he's not ready to go right now. He wants to come back and. That's the only thing he said, but he's kind of like being oddly quiet. He's not like, you know, talking smack, nothing. Mm-hmm. So I don't know where it plays out. In best case scenario, like it's like I said before, like we're in like a depressed time right now and there's not a lot of big things coming up. Mm-hmm. But let it play out. And if they can get that fight booked for, say, October or even November, let the chips lie where they may. This is where I stand on it. I don't know what to believe. This sounds like a bunch of whatever. Do I believe? Darren Till was contacted, probably. I mean, like I said, this whole pay-per-view model with the UFC, I feel like demanding like twelve to thirteen sixty-five dollar pay-per-views a year, where you have to try to put on these title fights or fights that make sense or whatever, they're writing checks without the cash. They don't. They, they don't have. You know, they, they don't have what they're booking here. They don't have it. There is not 13 or 12 $65 fights a year. That's a fact. Not that, anymore. I don't know where they keep coming up that they think this is. It is not. I think the pay-per-view model is still a successful model. Even with not the lower 12 buys, times a year. they're still making a lot of money. They still make more money off of even lower buys than what, what it is. But It's just not where it used to be. Here's the problem with it now. It's, it's not the fact but, but that... But here's the biggest problem. You, you have this September card. Okay, this sounds like that's what it's stemming from. They wanted Woodley versus Colby in September. The fight's not able to get put together. They probably reached out to Till, but they might be thinking about it because 
This goes against everything if they strip Colby Covington and make Till vs. Woodley. Because then it's, what are we doing? Where are we as a company? Then I'm going to start thinking there's some serious inside problems. Because you're now, you're never going to have the validity of an interim title ever again. It's just going to throw that out the window. It's like, why are we doing these interim titles just so they can have a shiny toy? Just so they can have a marketing tool? Because if Colby Covington gets stripped that quick, that's just ridiculous. It just becomes comical you, at this point. You have to do Colby versus Woodley right now. There's no way you forego anything. Look, I love Darren Till as much as the next guy. He didn't even make weight in his last fight. This is a desperation main event, and it's not right. It's not right for the sport. Now, Colby versus Woodley, as long as they can get that together before the end of the year, you've waited this long. Let's do it. There's too much goods there to not do. That sounds like a main event for a pay-per-view. It really does. I'm sorry you can't get it together in September, but all that is what it is. That is the fight you have to book. Because I said it that one time. What are we doing with these interim titles if they're not the number one contender? You can just have it taken away because they can take it away. It's just pointless, and it's getting a little ridiculous and out of hand. Okay, What you have to do is, whether it's October, November, or December, you do Till versus Woodley. No, not Till versus Woodley. I'm sorry. Colby Covington versus Tyron Woodley. That is the fight. And then you do Darren Till versus Kamaru Usman. And you should probably do them on the same card. Maybe. I'm de- I, I definitely agree that title fight. I don't know what you do with Till. You could do him and Usman, but like, you know. They're both right there, man. Yeah. Usman's the next guy. That's a number one yeah. contender fight. It's legit. That's a legit number one contender fight. I have to be honest, which that is probably the best fight because, like, other than that, I had no option for Till. He already beat Wonder Boy. Till so, beats like, Usman, title shot. But I had a better fight. For and Till. he has to make the weight. That's I, the other problem. He has to make I the weight. I had a better fight for Till at the end of this year if he's able to come back. I want to see Till versus Robbie Lawler for some weird reason. That's like, good and all, but mm, you're kind of in the same position. First of all, I got to see Till make weight again. Mm-hmm. You ha- he has to make weight in his next fight. I don't think he foregoes the title shot right now because he didn't make weight. He was off by, what, three pounds? Yeah. I mean, that's the second time he's missed weight in his short UFC career. I don't trust him at the with, with getting a welterweight title shot. I feel like if he gets the title shot against Tyron Woodley, every bad thing that's been happening in 2018 so far, that just stays right on par with it. Yeah. It just I just see disaster written on it. So let's jump into what could be the September main event if he gets cleared. But let's just get into the situation with Max Holloway and Brian Ortega. Okay. Lots been coming out. We still don't have a diagnosis on Max Holloway. But from what Frankie Egger said, this was from his mouth, he said it sounds like Max is going to be okay. And he might be back sooner than later. Okay. And then we just found out with Brian Ortega. (sighs) Media narratives. The man got compensated by Dana White. Okay. What's your take? When do you think Holloway and Ortega is going to fight? And what do you make of this compensation of Ortega? Thing? I mean, they didn't even give the guy time, right, to like get paid. I mean, what, what's going on here? I think if you really follow, I, I follow what Ortega was saying. You know, he said Dana was ticked off at the moment. I mean, Daniel Cormier just took a dive on the mm-hmm. stage. He just lost his co-main event. As a, what I've learned is, as a promoter in their contract, he found him a fight. He declined the fight. He was probably upset because he did his job. Now, the compensation part, it, the media might have had something to do with it. It might have that the fact that he went all out like that. But, I don't know, I hear more often than not they take care of people. 
Um, I don't believe, like, you know, I just don't believe that the UFC fighters are treated, you know, as terribly as what the media portrays. Them Makes it out today. to be. Yeah, because yeah. they have, you know, they get they can have free training, free food, free, you know, they get paid, I think, more than they say. I think I think they did say something like the, the, the bonuses they used to give, they don't give them out as often since the Fertitta's left. But also, the sat, the, what they make to show up the fight has gotten higher. So I think it all levels out. Um I don't. I don't really care because at the end of the day, what he makes and what him and the with them and the deal of what he gets compensated, that's between. That's none of our business. That's that's on them. Mm-hmm. That's between him and the promoter. That's not to me. I'm just. Brandon like, Schaub feels responsible that Brian Ortega got paid. How do you feel about that? He could be right. I don't think so. He could be right. Maybe because he went on his show and you know said all that, but I just don't believe that. I think he was going to get something anyway. Mm-hmm. Or they, they, they knew they were going to book him quick. I don't know. But I don't know about Max Holloway. I think I think we'll find out something later this week mm-hmm. or early next week about it because he was back in Vegas doing all those tests. So we'll see. But at the same time with, with Max Holloway, like I heard that was a pretty scary thing. So he's got to not only... Jeremy Stevens hasn't been pulled from this weekend's card yet. So that, that to me, that's optimistic. Because yeah. I would have, if anything, because even at this point... Ortega even said, if, if this title gets vacated or whatnot, I'll fight as soon as they want me to. Mm-hmm. So if they really need a main event for September, they could have just already pulled Stevens and just put him as put him versus Ortega. Mm-hmm. So I'm pretty optimistic. I, I mean, it might not happen as soon as September, but I'm starting to get pretty more optimistic. Hopefully, I just want to know, like, Max Holloway's got to figure out a better way to cut weight from the sounds of it. We'll see. I mean, they're rumbling mini-stroke. I don't know what to believe in the media anymore sometimes. And a lot of the people that jump up and break news. Um, I give Ariel Hawani a lot of flack, but most of the time when Ariel Hawani says something, he is He's got multiple sources. Well, not only the sources, it's just he doesn't say anything that's phony. He never pushes fake news. He never just goes off of a whim. He makes sure he's 100% accurate. A lot of the thing that, that... a lot of the narratives and stuff that gets out there lately, I, I think a lot of it's just jumping the gun. I mean, look at the pay-per-view buys. We keep hearing about these pay-per-view buys, like for UFC 225, and they were completely wrong. Like, you hurt yourself by doing that. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at the narrative right now in the media. Um, it is such a negative time. Dana White spent a million dollars on his son's 16th birthday party. Why is that even a headline? And my biggest question to that is... Why are you bringing Dana White's son into this? Are you trying to make Dana White's son feel bad for turning 16? He has a, uh, like a billionaire dad who just sold a $4 billion company and he was part owner and made a boatload of money and he wanted to give his son the most extravagant birthday in the world. So you want to bring him into it and have him get on the media website and make him feel guilty? Like he's screwing over the fighters? It's disgusting media like do you guys not have anything better to talk about there's nothing else to me what's crazy what you do with your own money is what you want to do. i mean diddy's been doing it for years diddy throws million dollar parties all the time we don't hear him going about those hungry artists that aren't selling yet like oh he should be giving that money to them yeah it's just it doesn't disgusting. make any sense to me like to me it's like you and know. then you go back that's more than some whole cards payroll you used the ultimate fighter finale as an example yeah bad example buddy back off guys back off you know Bellator pays less on honor cards than UFC does, right? Huh. You want to really go back? Go 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 look at Strikeforce payroll. I mean, it's just I, I don't like these narratives, and it, it, it is just it, it's a disgusting time right now. 
you know, we're in a home home week. Um, but business is about to pick up. Well, I feel like the the thing is also the, the, before we get to the segue, I think also it's like the media has doesn't like Dana White. It's very obvious. It's like a beef. Yeah, it's like they don't like Dana White. Dana White doesn't care much for the well, media. Well, they don't like so. him now. Wait till he's gone. Yeah. And then everybody's going to love him. They're gonna Wait till him. he's gone. Because one thing Dana's always done, in my opinion, he puts the fights the fans want to see. That's the biggest thing that's always been important to him. But business is about to pick up. Because you know a Thursday. Today we sit here Tuesday around this table discussing everything mixed martial arts. Thursday is Connor's court case. And we've already had tabloids rumbling that he's pretty much struck a plea deal. They, they end up being false, but I I, I think they he's... They say, it, come yeah. on, we know the smoke fire thing. I mean, come on. Yeah. Does it really sound far off of what you thought he was going to get? No. This thing's going to be reduced to a misdemeanor. He's going to pay some fines. I don't even really see probation on it. There'll be probation. I, I see some community service maybe, but let's be real here. There's That's pretty accurate to what we think he's going to get. Yeah. So they're probably just waiting for the court date to officially be announced. And do you still think Connor versus Khabib's going to happen this year? Yes. There's too much at play. We talked about last week, like that that whole, you know, Connor taking pictures with Putin, and mm-hmm. I mean the dialogue's already there. It's it's getting set up. Mm-hmm. People didn't catch on to how great that was. That got thrown out there like that. You know, he's saying he's got a Russian compound. This Friday. Q&A for a Canadian event in Calgary. Khabib Nurmagomedov's doing the live Q&A. Mm-hmm. Just saying. The day after the court case. Yes. Just saying. So this week, as we're speaking about all this negativity, yep. the clouds are dark, storming outside, everything's just going away. The UFC's dying, is what I'm being told. This time next week, do you think we're talking about how Conor McGregor is back, he's fighting Khabib, and the business is better than ever? Yes. I think because I kind of alluded to it in the beginning of the show. It depends when they book Khabib and Nurmagomedov. I don't know if they're going to do it October for sure or if they end up doing it for um, November. But I will say this much. Um, I think they're going to have a strong October through December. Could even lead to January if the Brock and DC thing pans out. Oh, Brock and DC is supposed to be January. I mean, this thing- Is it just me or some of the, some of the most ho-hum... It seems like every August and September, the UFC struggles because they always throw that big. Just July like in event. January, yep. they struggle. Yep. I um, feel yeah. like a lot of times they struggle around this time of year because they stack certain events. It's like it's it's funny because I listen to people say how um, all their papers they don't the, the cards aren't that because two twenty seven, it they they lost Gustafsson so that was a big blow to that card. They were trying to get more big fights for that card. It just didn't materialize. Now people are just like. You know, running their mouth saying, what are they doing? But, like, at the same time, they stacked UFC 225 and 226. Mm-hmm. Even when the featherweight title fell off of 226, that's, that card was still stacked. We've been hit with a lot of misfortune so far this year. Yeah. This is going to be one of those years we look back and go, wow, we got through some rough times. Yep. So I think it's just, you know, it happens. And um, I, and part of it, the, everybody's getting them on their pay-per-view buys. I just think TV media being consumed is just totally different. But I do think business about to pick. I mean, you, we, we already went through the three huge middleweight fights for MSG. So they're stacking the MSG card again. Mm-hmm. October is what they're saying is going to be Conor versus Khabib. I don't care if you have the, the co-main. It doesn't matter. That's all you need. Doesn't it doesn't matter. matter. Yeah. 
This stack card thing, I think people just... I wish sometimes the cards weren't so stacked and we got better fight night main events. But that's just, you know, me well, saying right my there, opinion. Well, right there. Let's jump right into it then. This weekend, we have a fantastic card. Now, this is one card where I think Dana White's being a little selfish. I'll break it down in a second. But we're getting UFC Calgary, which they are owed some awesomeness, right? Like, they are owed this. Mm -hmm. But I have my opinions on it. We'll start with the UFC Calgary card in all its glory. I mean, we're getting Dustin Poirier versus Eddie Alvarez. We're getting Jose Aldo versus Jeremy Stevens. And we're getting Ioana Zierzajczyk against Tisha Torres. And that other main car fight. Look, I'm just going to stick with the triple header there. You're sold already, right? I mean, you were sold off Dude, the main event. This, yeah, they just need the main event. If they would have taken Stevens off, I wouldn't have even gotten mad. Because this is a criminally underrated card. I mean, you're starting to feel the buzz this week for this weekend's card. Because yeah. just, there's just no way that's going to be bad. Okay? And then followed up by UFC 227. This weekend with that card, where you have Eddie Alvarez and Dustin Poirier in the main event. And then you skip over to the following week, which is UFC 227. Where it's the Cody Garbrandt versus Dillashaw rematch, and it's the Muddy Mouse versus Henry Cejudo rematch. Mm -hmm. Out of those three fights, I have a question for you. Which fight are you looking forward to the most? Oh, Cody Garbrandt. Really? Cody Garbrandt versus Dillashaw. Yeah. Look, I like Dustin Poirier versus Alvarez a lot, but I mean, I think I don't. I think uh, Dillashaw and Garbrandt one was an amazing fight. Just like the first Poirier Alvarez fight was. Now, I would tell you right now. Now, what Poirier, do you think most of the fans' interest is at? Do you think they're more towards the Dillashaw Garbrandt rematch, or do you think yeah. it's the Eddie Alvarez Dustin Poirier? Yeah, if, if, Gar, if, Gar, if Garbrandt Dillashaw was on free TV, yeah. But it's pay per view, so it's different, so not as much. But that's just, that, we're, we're going off a different subject. I'm telling you right now, I'm a huge fan of the Garbrandt Dillashaw rematch. That's a great fight with a great story. Look, I love Poirier versus Alvarez. That's guaranteed violence right there. Their first fight was starting to be a really awesome fight till the unfortunate knee. But let's I'm not gonna discredit the the, the two for sure best bantamweights in the world right now. No, I, I gotta I know you're probably looking most forward to that lightweight fight, but no I am. That I am. bantamweight fight, that is a great fight. And I'll fight. tell you why. In a day and age, and I love Eddie Alvarez. He's the one that's really selling it for me. Okay. I look at these two cards, and I do think that the one problem we have is their their distribution on certain shows and mostly I, I still it goes back to these pay-per-views man like these pay-per-views are what's killing me and what is the value of 65 dollars as a fan that you're forking out i look at this ufc calgary card that's just a week before and you have dustin poirier versus eddie alvarez and believe it or not there's a title on the line in that fight because huh? eddie alvarez is using one of the most genius tactics i have heard in a while i heard him say it on luke thomas's show I don't know if he's going to be promoting it more this week, but he said he's still bringing his title in. And that's the most violent man in MMA title. And I think that's a real thing. It's a beautiful thing. It's very reminiscent of Taz in ECW when he created his own FTW title. Now, you have to be a severe hardcore fan to understand that, but that was a title that he made himself that actually got over with the fans and it was looked at as almost a real title. Eddie Alvarez is doing the same thing. In a day where you have interim titles being handed out like candy, all this weird situation, like what we just discussed with the Colby Covington situation, okay? All these interim titles are being handed out like candy. Eddie Alvarez is promoting his own title in a main event with Dustin Poirier. I love the rematches. 
of Cody Garbrandt and Dillashaw and Muddy Mouse versus Tejudo. But it's not like we were screaming for these rematches. Remember, we were kind of scratching our head. We didn't see the Garbrandt-Dillashaw rematch coming. Sujudo's deserving for another title shot at 125. I'll agree. The flyweight, I didn't care for. But, but the we really weight, didn't ask for it. We didn't that. ask. We're not mad, but we didn't ask for it. That wasn't something where we were like, oh, we got to see that. And it's $65. I feel like the way that this Fox card has the three fights on it, I feel like if you're going to charge people $65, you got to have all of the above. The two title fights, the Alvarez Poirier, the Jose Aldo versus whatever. Or just take the Alvarez Poirier because I feel like that is a fight people will pay money for. It really mm. is. There's something missing about that UFC 227 card where you just, it's, it's hard to think. You got to pay $65 to see that. But you're getting just as equal and awesome MMA the week, for, week before for free. And that's what's so hard is all this distribution, okay? If, if, if Eddie Alvarez and Dustin Poirier was on that 227 card, I might be more willing to fork down the $65. Yeah, but you say that, but when, when Gaethje and Alvarez fought in Detroit last year, that, that, that pay-per-view did very low buys. So I don't believe that at all. I, I still think, feel like that was the most I hype fight on that card. I think the difference between Calgary and UFC 227 is, is the fact that Calgary hasn't had an injury. 227 has been plagued. So that's it's what had, I think the big difference is. It's only had one, only the Alexander Gustafsson. That's a big versus fight. Versus Ozdemir. That's a big but fight But it's not to the lose. title fights. I mean, at the end of the day, it still has two title fights. Exactly. But that's still a big fight to lose. I don't know. Gustafsson's a, a bigger draw than anybody that's fighting on Fox. I just feel like this conception and, and the price tag of $65 nowadays, compared to some of these free cards we get, I see why the pay-per-view market is so down. And I get it. You do have to do this distribution. You do. I am not one that's saying the UFC has too many shows. I don't think it's oversaturated at all. They have to go to Germany. They have to go to uh, Calgary deserves it. I wish both cards were combined and this was a pay-per-view in Calgary because Calgary deserves it for what happened before. And they do deserve a very, very good fight. But it's just like then the next week you're milking it and going to California. I, I don't know. I don't know. Regardless, both shows are going to be good. But I do edge the Calgary out as a better card than the following week on the pay-per-view. I, I just do from top to bottom. I think it's a better I think card. The, I think the main reason I think that way because it's free. That doesn't hurt. Yeah. Sixty five dollars. That's what I'm. That's what I'm trying to get at. But I still stick by like the fight I want to see most is the Garbrandt Dillashaw rematch. Yeah, that's a great fight. I'm actually on the Eddie Alvarez Dustin Poirier train. I mean, don't get me wrong. They're both fantastic fights, and I don't think you can really go wrong picking either way. I, I just I, I'm a little upset with the pay per view market nowadays, and I just think there's a oversaturation of pay per views, not shows. Maybe I just think there's people buying less because media's changed. That's where we're going to disagree mm. because 225 and 226 was as stacked as they come. I didn't complain about buying news. Exactly. But okay, tonight the man finally gets his shot. Dana White Tuesday contender series. I'm gearing up. We're actually three hours away from it. Nick Newell. The one-armed mixed martial arts fighter, 14-1 pro career, makes his debut on the Contender Series for his shot to get inside the UFC. How do you think this is being handled? Is the Contender Series the right place for him? And what do you make of the whole one-armed situation? Do you think he's a liability or no? Well, he's 14-1, so me thinking he's a lie, but this is UFC competition. It's different if he gets into the UFC. You know, he's only fought one guy that's fought in the UFC. 
and that was Justin Gagey, and he got he got beat. So he is fourteen one. I I love this. This I'm actually really looking forward to this tonight because there's 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 like such a great story to this and mm-hmm. the narrative and like I might even be like I have that feeling in your stomach when you're watching a big fight and like you really want to root for somebody. I'm gonna have that tonight while watching Nick Knoll. I really want to see this come true and him make it to the UFC. Yeah, I do think the contender series. Actually, I think him debuting on the contender series might be better for him than anything else, other than looking for a fight. You want to be a new fighter? You got to be on the contender series or looking for mm-hmm. a fight because that is how these stars are generating nowadays. See Mr. Sage Northcutt and see Sean O'Malley. They're coming from these platforms. Just being a great fighter from the regional promotions and fighting on an undercard of any fight card isn't going to do it for you anymore. That's not how you get your name up. So I'm I'm very much looking forward to it. I do think they're handling it the right way. Because it's true, because as much positive as you can find in this, you can also find as much negative. He gets clipped with a left head kick. It's like, oh, how dare you? Well, you didn't know that was going to... We, we talk about the, the negativity of the media all the time. You think they're not going to flip that switch? Now, right now, they're saying, oh, yeah, he, well, I don't know why you put him on the show. Why is he not in the UFC? You know, as soon as he loses a couple times, they're going to be like, oh, you didn't see this one coming? I think it's the right move the contender series why because i i don't want to get he is a liability at the end of the day he has one arm yeah you know half one half of his arm is missing and you can't block that side of his head um i think it's a fantastic story and i'm i'm with you i'm rooting for him but i do think that the ufc has to take a cautious approach to this this is a huge risk versus reward and the reward is a huge payoff, but the risk could be a huge one also. Yep. I love Nick Newell. He has the heart of a champion. He has the mind. He has everything you want as a professional mixed martial artist. He begged for this shot. He worked for this shot. He deserves this shot. And I hope it pans out for him. I really do. But I understand the cautious approach that you have to take in something like this. You, you just have to. Because he's not getting cherry-picked any opponents in the UFC. You are unleashed in a division, by the way, the lightweight division. I mean, it is a division full of animals, of just rabid animals in that division. And you have to tread carefully. But I'm rooting for him. I'm excited. I think this is the most excited I've been for a fight on the Contender Series all year, even over the Greg Hardy fight. I'm super pumped for this fight. I'm rooting for the kid. I hope by next week we are talking about how Nick Newell officially has a contract with the UFC. Is there anything else you want to add? No, that does it for me. Well, thanks for coming to the table as always, ladies and gentlemen. Again, my name is Joe Newbauer at Joe Knows MMA. That is Sean Newbauer at underscore, what is it? MMA underscore insomniac. Yes. You can listen to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Podcast Addict. Remember, enjoy the fights this weekend, and please, guys and girls, don't drink and drive. Peace.